0: Exploring the Word of God together allows us to share in the joy that comes from discovering the words of hope and salvation, which overflow from our Bibles. Upper Room Media presents to you this educational, enlightening, and entertaining Bible study. Prepare to be transformed. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God, amen. We will continue to study the book of Song of Songs, and as we said before, the Song of Songs is the best song, or the most holy song, or the most precious song, because it talks about the relationship between the human and God. A lot of times when you look at the scripture, the scripture talks about events. Very few books talk about conversation with God psalm obviously is one of those psalms the prophecies are one of these books that talk about conversation with God but a lot of time it almost feels like a one-way conversation the song of songs is special because it shows the two-way conversations very clear and we talked about how the song of songs are talking about our relationship with God the first part that we concluded with last time until verse 7 chapter 2 was what we described as the initial grace. When you get to know God, when God touches your heart and comes to you, you are full of peace and joy and you're focused. Tears come out. You only want nothing but God. You can spend hours talking about Him. You can read books. You can come to the Everything feels so beautiful. Everything feels so holy. It's just your own cloud night. You're so happy. What happens? You reach a point, like the last verse read, chapter two, verse seven, that says that God is giving you a hug. His left hand is under your head and his right hand embraces you. You reach this point. Now what happens after that? What happens after that from verse, from chapter 2 verse 8 to chapter 3 verse 5, the human soul, just pay attention to this, found, lost, and found. Why do I say found? Because the first part we're going to read, it's from chapter, verse 8, it's the human soul finding God after it having, it's having a problem. And the problem will not be clear until a bit later, a few verses later. And the second part, in chapter three, we'll start seeing another problem that causes the initial grace to seem, it disappears. The difference between the first two problems and the second problem, I'm gonna tell you the problem so I don't keep you hanging. The first problem is discouragement. When God rests in the person, and he's close to the person, God can be a bit more silent. Because he's resting in the inner heart of the person. And because the soul is not yet experienced in the relationship with God, it gets discouraged. Because it thinks God is silent. And it's waiting for a past experience to be repeated. It's looking, like one of the priests I knew told me, we're looking for leftover food. I want to feel what I used to feel. I want to taste what I used to taste. But God is resting in me in a different way. For the soul gets discouraged. For from verse 8 it describes when the soul starts hearing the voice of its beloved again and sees him again with some of the similarity that she used to experience in the initial grace. Is that clear or not clear? Am I confusing you? Is that clear? Are you guys following? Yeah? Anybody wants me to repeat this part? Just make sure you guys are clear on this part. So, initial grace, God comes and calls the human being. He fills it with so much love, so much peace. And then what happens is, very commonly, the human soul gets discouraged. Because after the Lord fills it with so much feelings and emotions and happiness and all that stuff. What happens is, God becomes a bit silent for the soul gets discouraged because I used to hear his voice, I used to be fired up, now I can't hear his voice. For then, the soul will hear his voice after a period of discouragement. And the second problem that will make the soul lost is not discouragement anymore. The second problem in chapter 3, it will be laziness. Okay, but so let's look at uh, chapter 2, verse 8. So this is, we're starting, the soul finds God, but we will not see the problem until later. She says, the voice of my beloved who's talking the soul. Behold, he comes leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. After the soul have felt that God is absent, now she's excited. Behold, remember the word behold, it's like breaking news in our, in our current time. Breaking news, I can hear his voice again. He's leaping on the mountain, he's skipping up on the hills. It is very common in the scripture that we hear the voice of God before we see him. Nobody sees God before he hears his voice. If you guys remember Moses when he was in the burning bush, he heard a voice Moses, Moses. Samuel heard a voice at night Samuel Samuel and Samuel didn't even recognize the voice until Eli taught him Abraham heard the voice I cannot see God before I hear his voice that's why it's really important for me to be very attentive to the voice of God he speaks in my conscience he speaks in the commands. He speaks in the people around me. His voice is not far away from us. His voice is not away from, far away from us. That's why the Lord in John 10, He says, When He brings out His sheep, He goes before them, and the sheep follow Him, for they know His voice. The sheep follow him for they know his voice. It is so important for me to be attentive to the voice of God. The worst thing that could happen is that God speaks and I am indifferent or unaware. And this is the problem of our era right now that God speaks and we're unaware. The Bible says when God is coming to see us, what is he doing? He's leaping, he's jumping. Can you imagine the image of God jumping to see you? Pushing over all obstacles. God is so holy and I am very full of sin. God is so wonderful and so loving and I can barely love my brother. God is so patient and I can barely take it can handle my parents God is so powerful and if a small virus comes to me I'm in bed for three weeks he comes leaping over all obstacles because God wants to show me that all obstacles between me and him he can take care of it that's why Gregory of Nessa says He made every rebellious power subject to him both the inferior powers and those that are greater the distinction between mountains and hills signify that both are both the superior adversary and the inferior one trembled and destroyed by the same power and authority the lion and the dragon the superior superior beasts are trembled so too are the serpent and the scorpions which are inferior We want to know that God desires us. If you remember, remember the, the night of the Last Supper, what did the Lord say in Luke 22:15? He said, with fervent desire, fervent desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you. That's the, that's the Passover right before the Lord gave himself up for us right before going to the cross he says with great desire I desire to eat this last supper with you how would our prayer vary when I know that God desires me in prayer there's a, you guys the famous uh, a picture of Ronaldo da Vinci that he, he, he drew of God on a cloud soaked the jumping from the cloud to catch us and the human is barely lifting his hand this is exactly us he wants to jump to hug you and to carry you one of the jewish rabbis he says about leaping and jumping he says god is leaping from egypt to the red sea from the red sea to sinai and from sinai to the future redemption God is jumping to save us from all our separation between Him and us. It is important for us to hear the voice of God. Look, chapter verse 9, so beautiful. God is coming so quickly, so fast, jumping over everything. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag behold, he stands behind our wall. He's looking through the windows, gazing through the lattice. God is coming so fast, when he comes to us, he stops. He stops. What is he doing? He's looking through the windows, he's looking through the doors. Which window is open for him to enter? Which door is open for him to enter? He often stands so near and waiting for that window. What is that window? Our faith. That's the window that I see God from. Reminds me of the story of Jacob when he was running away from his family and also at that point in his life very early on in his life he almost knew nothing about God and God showed him a beautiful vision ladder going from earth to heaven and angels going up and coming down long story what did he say he wakes up the next morning he says surely the Lord is in this place And I do not know it. Surely the Lord is in this place and I do not know it. Surely the Lord is in your heart and you do not know it. He is jumping and leaping. comes to you and stands. Obviously, when also talking about God is coming so quickly... He is overcoming all the walls of separation between us and Him. God came from heaven to earth to overcome sin, ignorance, even the law. Even the law. That's why Saint Paul says the legal wall of partition was not to be removed until His death. Our weakest wall between us and God obviously is our will. That's so in Luke it says, even now he's seen by faith through the windows of his word and the pattern of ordinance and sacrament. He comes so fast, so far, waiting for us. Remember, what is the problem with the soul at this point? Discouragement. Why? Because God was silent. That's why when she heard his voice, She was excited. Pray when God is silent, but he's resting inside of you. How comfortable will he be with that? Well, if you're new in the spiritual life, it will take time to understand. My beloved spoke and said to me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away look here earlier she heard his voice but was not was more of a general sense behold his voice i heard him in the church i heard him now she hears a very direct message to her and these are important because these direct messages are usually repeated in our life constantly one of my good friends used to tell me god does not have add he doesn't give you a different commandment every day there's one concept one thing he wants you to work on and he keeps hammering this home for a while he comes and he calls you and when he calls you what does he do he still Calls, calls a soul with the same words of love that he used to call it before. She's still lovely, she's still loved, she's still beautiful. Nothing changed. The only thing that changed, that the soul is a bit more what? Discouraged. That's why God comes and tells her, Rise up. Rise up from your discouragement. And look here, the request that God sends is an urgent request. One of the things that I want you guys to be very, very careful with. A lot of times when we talk about people say, you know, I'm going through a period of dryness, or I'm going through this, I'm going through that. People are content with long periods of dryness. If I'm dry, I'm not content. I'm fighting. When I become content, I fall into corners. I'm not content. If so I says, get get up of this, of this discouragement you're in, that place of death you put in, this request comes from God so urgent. Rise up. I came so quickly, so fast, standing on the door telling you to get up God does not want us to be dry for too long no that's why the Bible is very clear it says whenever you hear his voice do not harden your heart and this is what the Saints practice Like Saint Isaac the Syrian, when he said, "When God, when you hear the voice of God, even if you are doing your spiritual canons, leave everything and spend time with him. God is standing at the door, waiting for me. And what is he saying? He's saying, for the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. What is the winter? in terms of farming the winter is a time of sowing crops what happens when you sow crops the seed falls on the ground and the the seed must get mixed with dirt and it must die and you must sit and wait for some sort of plant to come In order for you later on to have fruit. But people, the farmers who are experienced, they don't sit in doubt. They sit in faith that there will be fruits. That's why when God is saying that the period of winter is gone, he means there's a new creation that I've created in you. That's why in 2 Corinthians 5.17 it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What happened to the old things? He says, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Origen said, and you must keep in mind that you, be, you cannot hear the winter is past any other way than by entering the contest of his present. Winter with all your strength and might and main. And after the winter is past and the rain is over and gone, the flower appears. So, what's organ saying? It says, You're not going to hear God telling you the winter is past unless you enter the winter with all a your power. That period of discouragement, that period of dryness, I must enter it with all my power. It's not a period for me to stand and do nothing, it's a time of allowing my old nature to die and death is not pretty. Death requires some sort of sacrifice, submission, obedience. And obviously this could apply, if we take this verse that applies to the church, it could also mean the victory of the cross. The winter has passed, and now the victory of the cross is here. What happens after the winter? What happens after the period of discouragement, and a period when I, I, I lose the glimpse of God's presence? It says the flower appear on the earth, The time of singing has come and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. Historically, by the way, flowers do not mean that the fruit is here, but they give promise that the fruit is coming. Why is this important? Because along the spiritual path, God does give promises and does give footprints along the path and even the turtle dove by the way they are known to be migratory birds so they are a sign that the spring is coming praise and joyfulness are coming and that's why it's important to understand that even in the period of dryness i go in strong God is not going to leave me without sign to show me that he's with me. It's not going to happen. In Jeremiah 8, 7, it says, Even the stroke of the heavens knows her appointed time, and the turtle dove, the swift, and the swallow observe the time of their coming. There is a promise that God sends along the way. and that promise i give you maybe let me just give you some more practical examples so you understand what I'm talking about sometime for example you feel you might feel that uh, I don't feel the presence of God as much but I'm not content I will go talk with Abuna I'm going to read a spiritual book I'll do more retreats I will talk to God more I will fight for His voice. Along the way, God will send you signs that He's with you. And He's very pleased with what you're doing. And quite often, these signs will be external, not internal. And you find yourself, for example, praying for something, and God responds so quickly, so quickly. God, I don't feel you from inside. I know. But I want you to know I'm with you. You know, that's the one thing I was shocked about. When you think about the life of Saint Macarius the great, for example. You know, this man's power. He sees the cherubim, comes and hangs out with him. And, you know, like, heaven is open. But when you look at his life, prayer life, he is going through a lot of dryness. And he's fighting day and night. And God will give him the external things, not to comfort, the, not to, to make him feel like he's a superpower. It is just to tell him that I am pleased with your struggle. I am pleased with what you're doing. The fig trees puts forth her green figs. So after the promise, what comes after the promise? The fruits. The fig tree put forth her green figs and the vines with the tender grapes give a good smell. Rise up my love, my fair one, and come away, let's fly. The fig tree next to the olive tree were the most two important trees in Israel. They are a symbol of peace and security. So what's the fruit that comes after this winter is peace. And by the way, I want you guys to be careful. This is not a peace that you have when you have a million dollar in your account. It's not a peace you have when you have your PhD or your MD. It is not a peace where you have when you buy a big house or you live the American dream. None of this nonsense. It's a peace that surpasses understanding. What does that mean? Reminds me of Saint Anthony. When Saint Athanasius described to him famously, and he said, when you see him from far, he's not too fat from the lack of exercises, he's not too skinny from asceticism, he's not happy, he's not sad, he is at a perfect equilibrium. Peace. There's no food, peace. There is food, peace. People are making fun of you. Peace. This is not a peace that you attain by yourself. No way. That's why in 1 Kings 4.25 says, And Judah and Israel dwelt safely each man under his vine and fig tree. The vine and fig tree are an example of peace. The greatest gift that the Lord gave his disciples before he went to heaven is peace. Is my peace I live with you why is that they face persecution peace you're about to die no problem this is not human powers at all puts forth means literally ripens the fruit become ripen, become clear the peace becomes clear the fluid in your life shows around the Lord, by the way, does not change how he calls the human soul. When he calls it at the beginning, when she's discouraged, when she's now bearing fruits, he calls her what? My love, my fair one. We are beloved by God. We are his children. God just wants you to take you to some far places, wants you to enjoy some amazing things, wants you to be over this world. And He's waiting for you to come away, to run with Him. How fast can you run so fast above all mountains, all hills, everything in your life. And Isaiah 52, it says, awake, awake. Put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the the holy city. For the uncircumcised and, and the unclean shall no longer come to you. You will have this fruit of peace that protects you from all evil. Look at this beautiful verse. God says, O my dove. And we spoke about the dove before. In the cliffs of the rocks, in the secret places of the cliff, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Amazing. Where does God tell you come away to? Look at this. God, you guys know obviously, doves and birds And the swallows are all these helpless birds. For how do they protect themselves? They hide in the cliffs. They hide in the rocks. God says, I want to take you to a place where you feel safe. So I could look at you when you are full of peace. When you know that I'm protecting you. What is God desiring? The look in my eye that is full of trust, that I'm not worried in the world anymore. That's what God is seeking. He wants to see the look in my eyes that knows that I am beloved by him. One of the Western Saint said Jesus you have given me to know and understand in what a soul's greatestness consists of not in great deeds but in great love love has its worth and it confers greatness in all our deeds although our actions are small and ordinary in themselves because of love they become great and powerful before God I'm a little dove little bird. What can I do? Very small things. And in front of God, they become so powerful. God desires this look on my eyes. You know, you can think about if God is our father, he's the most powerful being ever. How? joyful he would be to look at his children afraid worried anxious like i have all the peace i want to give it to you i can't wait to see your eyes looking knowing that you're loved by god i think that's probably the most beautiful prayer is when the eyes look at god that way and god says here by the way god is sending a very encouraging invitation when he says, come, I'll hide you in the rocks. Come, I'll hide you in the cliffs. I'm going to hide you in the secret places. If you look in the Old Testament, every person in the Old Testament had a rock or a cliff that they spent mid-god in. Jacob, after he saw heaven open, he had a stone at Bethel in Genesis 28. Moses saw the burning bush. In Exodus 3. Elijah, he saw the when he was running away, and God gave him the cake. The disciples, amount of Transfiguration. John, amount Mount of Otmos. There are cliffs of refuge. When Moses was old, he had a cliff of refuge. Elijah was running, God sent him. Every person who was running, God would send him. When God puts us between the cliffs that's not because only God wants us to see us the way he created us, but he wants us to tell us, I cover you, I forgive you. God covers us and forgives us. He helps us when we are weak, he encourages us when we're tired, he visits us when we are lost. There's a beautiful story in the Old Testament when Moses, the prophet, wanted to see God. And what did God say? And the Lord said, Here, in a place by me, you, should tell, you shall stand on the rock. Basically, Moses told God, I want to see your glory. God said, You cannot see my glory, but I want you to stand on the rock. And it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put in the cliff of the rock and will cover you with my hands while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. God put Moses in a rock, covered him, so he may be able to see a glimpse of the glory of God. Moses had to hide the rock is christ he is our rock in order for him to see the glory of god it is really important to understand that to be hidden in a rock and a cliff i must learn to practice silence when a dove is trying to find protection She does not make noises because she does not want the prey to come after her. So one of the saints said, silence is a sword in the spiritual struggle. Silence is a a sword in the spiritual struggle. A talkative soul will never attain sanctity. The sword of silence will cut off everything that would like to cling to the soul. We are sensitive towards and quickly want to answer back without talking, without taking any regards as to whether it is God's will that we should speak. A silent soul is strong, no adversary will harm it if it preserves preserves its silence. It's really important for us to learn how to hide in that cliff, the realization of the, the fruits that God has given me and the way that God wants, wants to see me will not happen unless I'm hidden in a rock in, the, in Christ. And I can only do this through silence. You know, it, it, it's so beautiful when God when God is talking to the human soul. Let me see your face, let me hear your voice. for your your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. God's heart is inflamed with love toward us. The other day when we had a spiritual vision, His Grace Bishop shared a beautiful verse with us from Isaiah. He says, I have set a watch on your walls of Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day and night, You who make mention of the Lord do not keep silence and give him no rest till he establishes it. God does not want you to give him rest. He wants you to keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. He's not tired. He's not worried. He is letting the winter pass and he will show you the flowers and on due time, you will see the fruits. All the saint said, Jesus catches my heart into the very flame of his love. This, she said, all of a sudden, the divine presence invaded me and I forgot everything else. Jesus gave me to understand how much He had suffered for me. This lasted a very short time, an intense yearning along to love God. You know, sometimes when you look at the Song of Songs, you wonder where does our prayer stands when it comes to Song of Songs? It's not about words. It's about a state that God wants us to be in. When people come and tell me, is it wrong to tell God this? Is it wrong to say this to God? I always tell them God looks at the heart. This is not a competition of words. Not at all. The where do I get the heart from him? From where from him. Look what the Lord says, catch us the foxes that's actually people say that's her brothers or the 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 clergy or the the watchman of jerusalem says catch us the foxes the little foxes that spoil the vine for our vine have tender grapes what happens what happens is usually when the grapes are about to grow you have to take out all the foxes because they will come and eat the fruit. So what God is saying is, right before you have taken the fruit, you must have taken out all the foxes and all the little foxes. The fruit is not gonna come out until I have driven out the foxes and the little foxes. One of the saints said, God give me to know the whole hideousness of sin. I learned the depth of my soul, how horrible sin was, even the smallest sin, how much it tormented the soul of Jesus. I would rather to suffer a a thousand hell than commit even the smallest sin. A lot of times people are easy going with little foxes. That's why they don't have fruits. People are lazy to pray, hesitant to give, obsessed with self-righteousness and miracle, not spending time alone with God to flourish their desire, disobedient to the voice of God, consuming all their day with what they're gonna eat and what I'm gonna eat and what I'm gonna do about eating, practicing no self-control, living in fear, TV shows, music, wasteful conversation, tons of stuff. All these are little foxes. If you guys remember the the story of David the prophet, a great man decided one time not to go to war. That destroyed his household, made him commit adultery, plan for somebody to die same thing with people sitting that by the way what david did one time we do every day every day people on their phones all the time day and night the one time the man decided not to go to work he fell in sin we make that decision every day little foxes if they are there he cannot have fruits people who compromise too much on their diligence in fasting and liturgy and their prayer of the ekbe people who are thick compromise on cursing if i truly want fruits i must be careful That's why in Hebrews 12:15 says, Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Just the fact that I become bitter against people could cause me to become defiled. That's why David, the psalmist in Psalm 1912, says, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Cleanse me from my secret faults. Let's take one more verse. And then she says, My beloved is mine and I am his. He feeds his flocks among the lilies. What is she saying? She's saying, I belong to God and he's mine. I belong to God by creation. This is what it says in Psalm 103. It says, know the Lord, he is God. He he is who has made us and not ourselves. We are his people and sheep of his pasture. But also I belong to God because he redeemed me. Not only because he created me, but because he redeemed me. Yeah, there's one, one person give a nice example. He said, imagine if you've inv- invented a supercomputer. And it's the best computer in the world. And you spend so much money on making that computer. And all of a sudden, a thief walked in and stole that computer. He looked for it everywhere, he can't find it. A few months later, you go online, you find it on eBay for sale. You go in and pay money again. To get that computer back. I belong to God because He created me, He redeemed me. The Lord, she said here, I am His, He feeds His flock among the lilies. My Lord is a shepherd. My Lord is a shepherd. And by the way, the lilies are known to be flowers of the lowlands. They're flowers that come out at the land. For God is coming to feed us in our lowly state. He's coming to have communion with us in our humble and meek self. One of the saints said, I understood how much God loves us, how simple He is though incomprehensible and how easy it is to commune with him despite his great majesty with no one do I feel as free and as much at ease as with him even a mother and her truly loving child do not understand each other so well as God and I do God is inviting us to this really beautiful relationship with him is saying don't be discouraged fight the winter will pass the flowers of promises will come the fruit of peace will come you will hear my voice make sure before the fruit comes you take out all the all the foxes and the little foxes you know just for the sake of finishing the chapter let's do the last verse it says until the day breaks, and the shadow flee away. Turn, my beloved, be like a gazelle or a young upon the mountains of Bethar. Night is the image of the present world. And what we're waiting for is a day that never ends. A time when the veil will break and I will be able to see God like none other like none other. I'm going to read to you a beautiful poem that uh, one of the Western saints wrote about the day of eternity to show you what we're looking forward to. She says, O day of eternity, O day so long desired, with thirst and longing my eyes search you out. Soon love." Will tear the veil and you will be my salvation. O day most beautiful, moment uncomparab- incomparable, when for the first time I shall see my God, the bridegroom of my soul and the Lord of lords, and fear will not restrain my soul. O day most beautiful, a day of brightness, when the soul will know God in his omnipotence and drown totally in his love, knowing the miseries of the exile. O happy day, blessed day, where my heart will burn for you with fire eternal. For even now I feel your presence, though through the veil, through life and death, O Jesus, you are my light. O day of which I dream through all my life, waiting long for you, O God, for it is you alone whom I desire, You are the one and only one of my heart. All else, all else is nothing. Imagine that day when it comes. After the night has passed. After waking up early every day, running all day, getting tired, doing this, doing that, all that will pass. Freedom will come. Freedom will come. Like, he says, turn, my beloved, like a gazelle. So quickly. Let's go quickly. By the way, just for your information, the mountain of Bethar, actually, some people say, it separated Israel by the Jordan. And some people say, this is not far from uh, Bethbara, where John the Baptist baptized our Lord Jesus Christ. God is coming today to invite us to be strong because there's something beautiful that's worth fighting for. Don't be discouraged. God desires you and loves you more than you can ever imagine. And it is our call to Seek, like Origen said, the winter very hard, and glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart, and we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.